0: Welcome to another episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bott from Sports Advantage. I'm here with my co-host, Coach Bianchi over at Kimberly. Coach, how are we doing? First week of football in the books. What's going yes, on? It's,
1: it's a great time. You know, that uh, first week is in, and I think kids are getting acclimated to it. And, you know, all fall sports are, are jumping now. You know, things are going to be getting going. It's just great to see kids out competing and having fun and being with their friends.
0: Well, it's exciting, too, with some of the other sports now starting up with volleyball and you know, across countries and, and some of the other sports that played some uh, soccer and tennises. We will be starting up some different, you know, sports in the in the fall. And it's great to see. Uh, but it also means, coach, you got to go back to work here pretty soon. You got to go back to school. You know, what I mean, get back in that classroom, educate all that good stuff that, you know, big shout out to our teachers um, who do such a wonderful job across the state of Wisconsin and and things like that. But, Dean, before we get into our our podcast, we were, we were really fortunate here this last week. Um, you, you, and Coach Mangan, Coach Mangan, big shout out, Coach Mangan. <coughs> Excuse me, um, and my staff, uh, Robert, CJ, and Lucas, my my directors at Sports Advantage. We took a educational trip and spent two days in Cincinnati. We got to meet with Coach Bose, who was a former player of mine, Joey Bose, with the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, we got to watch practice, which was obviously outstanding. Just incredible athletes doing. Um, you know, incredible things with, with pretty ease, uh, pretty easy. Uh, then we got to go see Laura Phelps. And obviously I think a lot of our listeners understand that we've developed a great relationship with Laura. She's an incredible coach, incredible person. Watched some of her athletes train. And then Tuesday morning, dog, we took that, that hour and a half trip North out to West Side barbell and huge shout out to to, um, to Mac um, and the, and the staff there, Tom, i um, sorry, time I drew a blank there for a quick second, but spending a couple hours with our staff, asking questions, uh, going through a lot of different scenarios and just, uh, we just feel really blessed. Huge thank you to all those coaches who just opened their doors for us. Um, no question was off limits, uh, truthful answers. Great, um, just great people. So I uh, just want to shout out a huge thank you. Dean, what was your favorite part of the trip? Outside you know of the what, snake?
1: Yeah, you know, first of all, you know, Thanks again for setting everything up and including Coach Mangin and myself. You know, it's just great to not only, you know, get that experience from the Bengal standpoint, Queen B, and then Westside Barbell, you know, probably the, the strongest gym ever and, you know, in the nation, possibly the world. Uh, so it's just to it give you goosebumps when you went in there. But, you know, the probably the best part of the trip for me is just learning from everybody and especially your staff, because I just got to ask and, and Coach Mangin got to ask a bunch of questions about your staff because you know we have to take everything that we learned and then obviously have to you know really sit down look at that stuff and then how is it applicable to our program at Kimberly high school and and that was a nice thing about a seven and a half hour drive home is coach mangan and myself were constantly going over hey you know th- we got this from the Bengals, we got this from queen bee we got this from Westside Barba, we got this from yourself and the sports advantage staff and then You know, how can we plug, you know, and put some of those things that we learned into our program. And I think that's what's really fun about continuing ed is just having those unbelievable um, conversations with other coaches on your staff to benefit the athletes. And, And that probably was the best part, but obviously everybody, I mean, the facilities at Cincinnati Bengals, the freak athletes and how they work with their individuals. Brian was just second to none. And then of course, you know, the whole strength conditioning staff there, you know, with Swanson and Hunt and, and along with Jose and, and just, you know, having an open book session and just being able to fire all the questions that we had, you know, as a group and just letting those guys share information. I think that's the best thing with strength and conditioning is coaches. If you really want to learn, you got to get out there and you got to talk to people. You got to meet with people. You got to see people coach in action. Right. And, and that is so crucial. And the same thing with Queen B. we go in there and boy, their gym, the the atmosphere was just electric. It was, it was crazy. And I think we, we even brought some a little bit more intensity to that, to that workout. Cause when we were talking to some of the athletes in there and they were doing some of their max effort, lower body lift, they were getting jacked up and you know, a bigger audience, you know, and people that come in and watch is, is what our athletes discover every game day. Right. You know, when the people are Friday night and the stands are full, And there's a huge crowd, you know, that's what, that's what makes athletics and sports so special. And then going to West side and just, you know, understanding to be in that situation that probably one of the most knowledgeable individuals ever, you know, Louis Simmons place and just being there and just seeing all the books and all the continuing ad that was right in the room where we were um, going over all the questions at West side was, was just unbelievable and the sayings on the walls and you know, the West side barbell stuff. And then Tom Berry and, and, and Mac, just unbelievable. It's going over every question that we had and, you know, how they collect their data and how they work with, you know, high school athletes and professional athletes, and just unbelievable and great cultures. And that's why they're also su- successful.
0: Well, just, it's, it, it's really what strength and conditioning should be. Um, in, in open dialogue, um, sharing information sharing what works, having open discussions on things that maybe you don't agree with. That's, you know, that's okay. You know, the whole strength and conditioning Twitter battle and, you know, trying to, you know, puff your chest out on social media. I mean, at the end of the day, what is that getting you? You know what I mean? I think um, it it just really, it just took my breath away for me when I walked in, you know, a couple of things that, you know, first off, when I, you know saw one of my former players um, working at the highest level and just his excitement for being around the staff he's around and the passion that he displays that for me is always, um, it's really special to see, you know, kids, guys, girls that I've coached in successful atmospheres. Um, you know, it, it just, it's just special. It's why we do what we do. You know what I mean? It's to give these, you know, give athletes the opportunity to chase their passion, chase their dreams, set goals, um, and chase after them. Um, obviously, You know, watching Laura coach was so impressive, especially with Leah, uh, who's the first woman to ever squat 900 pounds. I think she did 865 the day we were there with 160 pounds of chain, which is, um, you know, know, fairly impressive, I would say. Um, And just great people there, you know, um, as in the middle of their training sessions they are talking to us, big smiles on their face. You know, it's amazing. I think it's a great thing. I really like this part of it, Dean. You know, even though they're in a, in between max effort sets, they're just holding normal conversations. You know, they're 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 keeping their their energy levels low until they grab the barbell, and then it's game time. You know what I mean? They don't kind of overshoot before they actually get to the set. We even saw a lady who hadn't been training heavy for 15 weeks. Laura said had been doing, you know, more just body armor, body, you know, kind of bodybuilding stuff a little more, and she prs. You know, so that just shows what an incredible coach Laura is you know, keeping her athletes. And and I think she was like a 48, 49 year old lady. Um, those those people were amazing. And then like, I don't know about you, but when I walked through the doors at Westside, not, you know, talking with Tom for the first hour in the in the office was great. You know, seeing some of Louis' stuff, seeing all the notes that still are available that he's been taking. Um, but when I walked through the doors, I had chills. I mean, I, I just, my hair, the hair on my arms stood up. Um, just knowing what, has been come out of that gym, the knowledge that's come out of the gym, you know, the intensity, the, the, the strength and conditioning, you know, legacy that was in all the things that happened inside those walls. Um, and just to be present in there and know that, you know, a lot of their systems we utilize at sports advantage, um, you know, it was excitement, but it was also gratitude. You, You know what I mean? Dean, I think you and I, Really talk about this a lot how grateful we are for those that have come before us that have laid the foundation for us and to take hopefully strength and conditioning to the next level. And you know, I, I, you know, one of my hashtags on my Instagram account is legacy. And you know, I hope someday, Dean, that that you know, I'm never going to be, you know, probably what Louis Simmons or some of these other people were, but hopefully we've impacted the field. Um, of strength and conditioning to a point where people are like, Hey, you know, I'm glad that guy came before us. He really paved the way. So, um, it was a great trip and I'm glad that that my three directors were able to go. That's something we're going to do every year. Um, and I would encourage you, you know, this is something that I didn't do. And this is a big reason why I did the trip Dean is, you know, when I was at Wisconsin, we never did anything like that. It was kind of, you know, you just focused on your job. Um, it's not that we were discouraged from doing it, but we never did it as a staff. And it's something that I always thought would have been great for us as a staff to go out and do some things, continuing ed, learn from people, be open to discussions. And it was something that when I started sports advantage, when, when we got to the point where, uh, we are now, um, where I have guys running other gyms, I want to give that to them. I want them to be able to see other things, to make them think, you know, to, to put them in scenarios of like, Hey, maybe this is another way to do it um, and things like that. So I'm just really grateful that we're able to do that. Um, you know, that's a huge kudos to all our families that, that go to sports advantage and so many other people and you and Megan, I'm, I'm so glad you guys were able to come with us um, because obviously, you know, we, we think alike. I, I think our, our visions are the same. You know, we want to impact as many kids as we can and, you know, hopefully after this trip, you know, we'll do that. And next year, we'll, hopefully, we'll, you know, I, I can guarantee we'll have more people next year on that trip because we're going to be adding more directors. And um, you never know, maybe Coach Hardy will join
1: us. Yeah, Brian, you know, the, the other thing that I really got out of the trip is, you know, you can be in different places, you know, in different cities, different environments. And all those places are very successful, but they all had great family atmospheres. Great culture, and I think coaches out there, if you're a coach, you got to develop that wherever you're at. And I know Sports Advantage, you guys got an awesome culture, awesome family, kids understand people that come in there, understand what they're going to do when they get in there, how they're going to be accepted, they're not going to be judged, they're going to be pushed, obviously, to become the best athlete that they can be, and they're going to be learning in the process. Same thing with the Bengals, ultra-competitive atmosphere there. With, with this is their job in that setting. And then you go to Queen Bee's place Integra Fitness, and then all of a sudden it is everybody encouraging, everybody on their lifts. And yeah. everybody's, you know, Laura's a coach, you know, for some of these athletes, but everybody's helping each other out. And that, and that's what you want in a high school weight room. That's what you want at Sports Advantage. Any type of weight room. That's what you want. Hey, if you're you're lifting weights in your basement with your brother or sister, you want that same thing. Coaching all the time, coaching every rep motivating and all of that. And then you go to Westside Barbell and obviously, you know, that just environment is for only people that are serious about getting better and they are going to be challenged and there's record boards up there and everything means oh. so much. And, you know, they are just constantly doing everything they can to become the best athletes. So great information that we got. Can Coaches with continuing ed, you have to take advantage of that. Cause yeah. I think it refreshes you as a coach when you go somewhere and you, you go check out other facilities, it reassures that, Hey, what you're doing is working and it's good. And, and you have validation from other coaches that, Hey, that's a great job. That's a great idea. Yeah. Your environment, your settings, a little different, your athletes may be different. And then you also get little things that are going to make your program a lot better.
0: Yeah. I think it, you know, it's a, and I think when you go there and you talk, to people you realize you're on the right track i think everybody we talked to you know we shared some of the things we're doing they're like i like that i like, you know i know robert shared something at west side that tom really liked you know and i mean he was like oh tell me more you know i I think that's a great idea you know i mean and so it's just it it, not only you learn but you kind of validate some of the systems you have in place so uh great trip uh looking forward to it again had a great feeding on sunday night you know uh oh man it was good i can't believe robert finished that whole piece of cake that was that was a, either. It was just unbelievable. Um, anyways, let's talk about our, our two-pass guesting. Sam Hauser. let's start with him. Sam had his basketball camp. Sounded like it was pretty successful. Um, you know, one of the topics that we talked with Sam about was, you know, playing the sport with sibling um, and just some of the special moments that he had with his family, you know, being involved in sports. Um, and that's really something that I don't think we talk about enough, you know, is that we talk about, you know, your, your team is your family, and things like that. But we don't really talk about how special sometimes those moments are, excuse me, to be cherished, you know, with your family, you just kind of think they're going to go, I, I, you know, one of my favorite moments for me, Dean, um, when, when I was, when we made our state championship run in basketball, when I was a senior in high school, I think it was a regional final game there. And I still have all the VHS copies. So when you and Tracy come visit, we'll have a night and you guys can watch. (laughs) Um, There's a shot from the news. Um, I I I drove the ball in the paint, got fouled and made it. You know, I kind of was jumping around and like behind the basket, we had seats there. And my younger brother Jason, he, who's in eighth or seventh, seventh grade, seventh or eighth grade there, was just giving the guy, you know, he was like cheering and stuff like that. And I walked over and gave my brother a hug, like in the middle, you know, and so it was just one of those things where, you know, there's so many great moments that come from sports. Um, I think Sam's message about really just cherishing those special moments that you have with your family while you're participating was a really cool thing for athletes to to think about.
1: Yeah, Brian, you know, I'm an only child, so obviously I didn't get to experience, you know, any of those situations. I know you, with your three boys, you got to experience a ton. You know, not only did your boys get to do it with each other because they were all, you know, athletes. And, and obviously they were in different times, but you got to experience that as a father as well. I know Sam's dad real well. I played basketball with him in high school. He was an Oshkosh West graduate. I was an Oshkosh North graduate. So we played a lot of basketball together, you know, summer competed against each other and, you know, for him to be a coach at, when he was in high school at UW Stevens Point with Scotty Anderson, being an assistant coach and winning two state titles in a row. I know is. Is something I can relate to because I had a wonderful opportunity. Of uh, my son was on one of the state championship teams, you know, at Kimberly High School. And you know, when we're in Camp Randall, you know, it's every every person's dream as a coach and as an athlete to be able to play in Camp Randall for that state championship. And then, in order to win it, and then it'll be part of a seventy game winning streak was just something incredibly special. And not only did I get to experience that with. My son, but we had other coaches on staff as well. So we we had you know Coach Biolo, you know he, he had a son that went went through that situation as well. We had a Coach Verstegen, yep. who, who you coached at Wisconsin, played in the NFL, and was a Wisconsin Badger who we already had on the podcast. He had a couple uh, three sons go through the program and, and experienced that as well. And then uh, Coach Greeninger was our running back. Greeny, coach. yes. So th- there were, there was a bunch of us that had kids. We had some invested interest at that time that were all playing on the team. So, you know, looking back, that them were just special moments. I just don't think you realize it at the time. And I think coaches, maybe it's not to that extent where you're a Dave Hauser or my situation where you win a state title, but it doesn't have to be the the state title, the gold ball in order to have unbelievable memories. And that's things I think, You have to understand, I remember some of the best coaching moments I had when I was coaching youth basketball with my son and and his team. We just had a a ton of good times. I remember going down to, you know, Wisconsin Dells and having a tournament the sleepover, and spending time at the water park and having the kids all go down all the slides and just have a great time and laugh and go out to eat and and all that. So uh, very important. I think Sam had an unbelievable experience there with Joey you know, when Joey was in high school and then they went to college and had the same opportunity. Right. And I know the Lecter boys, who, you know, Tom Lecter's son, Zach and Drew, you know, listen to the podcast a lot. They went to central Michigan played baseball and, you know, they've been together and they had that experience being twins of of playing for us at Kimberly high school as well. And then are, now they're transferring to Nebraska Omaha and they're going to stay together again and continue that. So very special times. Um he had some great points of how special that was. And again, it just doesn't have to be a father-son thing, it can be any parent. You know, obviously, Sam's mom, you know, in her situation, three um sport athlete at UW Superior, which was incredible to hear. But moms out there, you're so special to all the athletes and everything you do. And, And there's a lot of mom that coach out there as well that just do an extremely good job. But, you know, the support and, you know, all the time and the money invested in, in individuals just makes such a huge difference, Brian.
0: Well, and in the adult figures in, in athlete's life, you know, we we often um, forget about the fact that that sometimes, you know, uh, the athletes have other adult figures in their lives that act as their, you know, their mom or their dad or their, you know, adult figure. And, and those people definitely um, need to be recognized as well. Um, and I think, you know, just sticking on this point real quick with like, you, you just listed off four guys that coached on your high school staff that had kids on the team. And one of the big things in youth sports now is people complaining about dad coaches and, and this and that, and, you know, uh, it's a double-edged sword, you know, it's a double-edged sword on both, both, both sides as a father you run that that line of not trying to favor your child, you know, which I don't think very many dad coaches favor their kids. I think most people that coach are in a, in a, yeah, a situation where they're doing the exact opposite and they're harder on their kids, which you shouldn't do that either. I was a victim of that, you know. Um, I, I fell into that role for, for, you know, a few years until I realized that it was hurting the relationship I had with my two older boys um and then just kind of backed away and and understood what needed to be done but parents you have to realize a couple things a lot of times um these people are giving of their time you know what i mean and a lot of times they're pretty darn knowledgeable and they're giving your kids opportunities to get better so before you start criticizing you know dad coaches or mom coaches realize that they're giving of their time because they love the sport or they love working with kids um and obviously you guys did it in the high school level, which is where people are like, well, I don't want dad coaches. And I know like you guys are doing, you have high school coaches coaching your kids. Um, and obviously you guys figured out a way to do it um, in a family type atmosphere where you know you won some games. So um, the second point that Sam brought up which is definitely something that needs to be hammered on um, <clears throat> is playing hard and hustling and, and doing the little things doesn't take any talent. And, and I know, you know, one of the big things in, in, in the Facebook, Instagram world is the, the 10 things that don't require any talent. You know, everybody copies it and pastes it like it's their own and, and things like that. But there's so many things, Dean, you know, that don't require talent. You know, and what's cool is that Sam said he learned that from his youth football coach. So it wasn't even a basketball coach. It was his youth football coach that taught him that. Um, and so I think athletes understand this it takes no talent to walk into the gym and train hard. It doesn't matter the weight you have on the bar. Okay. What matters is that you're doing your best to to change your best. Okay. And and you use that phrase a lot, change your best, Dean. Um, Change your best refers to me personally, or refers to the person that's using that term it's not referring to the strongest person in the gym it's not referring to the fastest person or the you know the person that has the most skill okay you're trying to make yourself the best version of you that you can athletes and the only way that you can do it is to give 100% 100% of the time there's there's no options when it comes down to if you really want to be good and so all the little things that takes zero talent those are the things that all athletes should focus on because if you focus on those things all the big things take care of themselves
1: Brian, that's a good point going back to sam hauser remember that youth football coach was also the high school softball coach yep that was incredibly successful so mm-hmm. and i think athletes need to understand that i think sometimes athletes are just wanting to learn from their sport coach but the best part, in my opinion, of being a multi-sport athlete in high school and, and doing lots of things as they're growing up is you're learning from all different types of coaches. And you're understanding that there's different personalities. There's there's yellers and screamers, there's coaches that are more laid back, there's coaches that are going to be more personable, you know, whatever the situation is, you have to adapt in those types of situations in order to become the best version of yourself. I love. You know, the old, you know, the, the saying, I should say the quote is hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Right. You know, I, I really like that because everybody can control their effort and it, it kind of goes along with, it takes no talent to hustle. So most of the time, what I've seen at the high school setting is some of the most athletically gifted athletes don't want to work hard because I think things have come so easy to them, Brian. And maybe they developed earlier and and they were one of those individuals like coach Darone, who we'll talk about in a little bit, but you know, his situation is a lot of the best wrestlers are the person that's mature. You know, they they just set their growth spurt sooner than that. And then I've seen that so many times at the high school level, that great middle school athlete doesn't end up being the best high school athlete because, they don't want to work hard because things came easy and, hey, I don't have to do this or I don't have to take what that coach is saying because I'm already the best individual on my team. And therefore, them bad habits that they have or the habits that they never got into are starting to hurt them as they get older and everybody else is having those growth spurts. Everybody else is catching up on the repetitions and, and they're being so coachable and they're watering it. And every day they're getting better. And all of a sudden, you know, those are the individuals that really struggle at the end of their high school career, Brian, because, you know, guys are going past them. Guys and gals are going past them. And they were used to being the big person on campus. And then all of a sudden, I'm going to work. I'm going to quit. They come up with some kind of excuse because it's very difficult for them mentally to handle that. And about myself, it's always about getting the individuals to work hard, enjoy the process, and and the product will take care of itself. But I'm praising a lot of times, regardless of ability level, I'm, I'm praising them on hey, they're consistent in the weight room because I know consistency is going to get them results. Everything. I know we can't control when that growth is going to happen or that growth spurt, or just the light bulb that goes on and then kids start to get it. But I know if they're consistent, sooner or later, you know, then they're really going to understand how much better. I just went out to football practice the other day, you know, as, as we got back from vacation and I said, Hey, this, this dude is so much better this year. And they can't believe the transformation in just one year of just incredible working just super hard. You know, the body has changed the confidence out there in the football field is so much better than last year because they know they put the time and effort in, and they've prepared for the moment for their season right now. And it's great if coaches come back and say, Hey, you know, this guy's a whole different cat. He's so much better. And to me, that's the biggest compliment you can give that individual athlete because they did the work, Brian, right. You know, as coaches, we're helping them, right. We're, we're trying to motivate them in the weight room. We're, we're, we're giving them all the, all the stuff that, you know, the tools for them, but ultimately they have to take advantage of that.
0: Well, I think athletes, what you need to hear too, and, and coaches is practices should be hard games should be easy. And I think everybody has that backwards. They don't, you know, in today's day and age, people don't want to practice hard. And you know, you go to the Allen Iverson comment, you know, and you high school kids hear that or youth kids hear that, you know, talking about practice. Yeah. Allen Iverson was one of the best damn basketball players at the time. You you know what I mean? And so you start to put that in the context of where it's, where it's relatable. Um, you maybe have 10 guys that have ever played the game of basketball that can make a comment like that. And I don't agree with the comment, obviously. Yeah. I mean. um, but you start taking now all of a sudden, you know, high school kids and youth kids and, and college kids start hearing that. And it's like, well, where's pra- no practice prepares you to play the game. Like if you're getting tired or frustrated during the game, you haven't practiced hard enough, like games should be easy. So, you know, what's, what's worse. Okay, the regret of hard work, okay, or the regret of knowing that you didn't put enough time in Saturday night or Friday night when you got beat. You know what I mean? That, that is, that's the decision that you have to make as an athlete. And that's real talk. Because at the end of the day, if you don't want to put the time in during the week, all right, now you're just at the craps table, you know, rolling dice. You know, but if you take care of your assignments, if you take care of your schoolwork, if you take care of the five things we talk about with sleep, hydration, breakfast, protein meal afterwards, positive screen time, all the little things you take care of, you take care of practice. Um, Games take care of themselves typically because most people won't do that. Most people won't do that. And so I think it's just a, it's a strong message, you know, that needs to continually be sent Dean to our high school kids, to our college kids all across the board, you know, every day, you know, should be a work day when you're out in the practice field.
1: And let's let's be honest. AI is probably the one percent in the world that is so genetically gifted. One, right? Yeah. Yeah. That he that he could get away with that. I mean, let's remember, he's a multi-sport athlete. in High school all-state quarterback. Yeah. All-state quarterback. So, my experience at the high school in the state of Wisconsin is we've never had even anybody even even near that close to that. I mean, not one millionth of that. So he is an outlier. So I think high school kids got to understand is Most high school kids, you have to work extremely hard. One of the things we got out of the Bengal visit is, hey, an NFL roster, there is some people that were born to play in the NFL. Yeah, They're born to play in the NFL. They are just freak athletes. And, yes, some of them probably work extremely hard, and some of them had to do a lot to get there, but they are really – brought on this earth to be a pro football player. They're just outliers. And I think that's the thing that a lot of our listeners got to understand. High school athletes is, hey, you have to do everything you can for a competitive advantage. And most people have to use everything at their disposal to get better. And that's why we started this podcast, because we're not talking about outliers. We're talking about average high school athletes out there that are trying to become the best version of themselves athletically and as a person.
0: Speaking of becoming the best coach, uh, our next guest, Coach Derone, yes. uh, talk about some energy. Man, that wow. guy brings it, man. I can listen to that okay. guy talk. You know, he's he's fired up, and he's a great leader um, and things like that. But one of the things that he brought up, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, um, you know, the different levels and, and, and D1, D2, D3, um, you know, I could speak to the, the D three experience. Um, I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world. Um, you know, it was, it was an incredible experience and you got a chance to play the sport you love. Um, you got to be in a, in a scenario where not only what what I saw, you know, a little bit at the D one level is, you know, kind of the sports kind of keep to themselves a little bit, you know, there's maybe intermingling with other sports, but um, you know, at the D3 level, you kind of all, you know, you're going to the girls' basketball game one night. Maybe you're going to the hockey game, you know, another night, guys' basketball game. You're going to the football games. You're going to the – we'd go to the soccer games, you know, um, because there were people we had in our classes that we knew um, and things like that. And I think, you know, athletes, you have to you have to be realistic first and foremost when you're getting recruited, okay? If you're getting calls from, from D- Division three schools – um, waiting for a call from a, a high level D1 is probably not in the cards. You know, I mean, these guys have done their research, they've done, um, you know, their background information, all that other stuff. And so you should get excited that somebody wants you to play, no matter what sport it is. This fact that somebody recognized you and evaluated you because the evaluation processes are pretty stringent, especially even at the Division three level, Division two, NAIA, or any other level, JUCO. <coughs> excuse me, those evaluation processes are pretty stringent, and the fact that somebody on the staff of the sport you play is calling you interested in you, um, you should always get excited about that, no matter what the level they're at.
1: Yeah, and you know for all the. Parents out there listening, whatever you do, and I've seen this over my 28 years experiences, there'll be a middle school kid, and then all of a sudden the parent is, is spouting off that their kid's going to be the next person that's going to go to Alabama or, or Georgia or, or whatever. You know, parents, you don't want to be the parent that puts that on your son or daughter. Correct. You just don't want to. If you think your son or daughter is is talented, that's great. But the last thing you should do is put an expectation that in your eyes, that they should be there at such a young age, because it's very rare. Let's be honest. It's very rare. You know, coach Derone talked about wrestling just to wrestle alone. It's a 3% of high school athletes that go to college will do any type of wrestling. And then how many of those are actually going to finish their career at the collegiate level. So parents, just be very careful about that. I, every time I've seen that happen, it, it, it's always turned out to be a bad situation for, for the athlete and more mentally than anything. And I think when we love and care about our own son or daughter, the last thing we wanna do is, is put those kind of pressures on, on our athletes at that young of an age. And then um, going to camps, going to camps at very young ages, to think that you are going to try to impress people when you're in fifth or sixth grade or seventh, eighth grade at, at a camp to be able to get a scholarship, I think is, is in my opinion, it's a waste of money. If Your goal is you're thinking that you are going to have these coaches look at your son or daughter to be able to have them start recruiting them at that age. I think you know that's a bad situation as well for parents to do. I think get your kid... In a, in a situation that's going to be low cost, that's going to be the best situation for them. And that's the same way I talk about with athletes. So many times we've had athletes go a higher level and then they end up transferring, Brian, to a lower level. To a, For example, going to a, a WIEC league like UW-Oshkosh, the Division Three in the state of Wisconsin is incredible. We talked about that with Coach Darone. It's unbelievable experience. And they're playing... Instead of being on the bench or not playing, they're going to a lower level, which probably in the first place was realistic. And they're getting much more out of their academics, their athletics, and their whole experience about being a, co- a collegiate athlete.
0: Well, and I think, Dean, I mean, my, when I talk to new athletes that come into our gyms, you know, I ask them what their goals are. And, you know, everybody has different goals. And when I talked to the parents, I said, our focus is to give your son or daughter the best high school sports experience we can give them. So in other words, we're going to make them the best athlete um, of anywhere out there. Uh, So you're you're training with the best and we're going to give them the opportunity to have the best career they can have in high school. What they do with that is is their choice. You know, what, what they do with that. So if they get to a point and this is the next part of the conversation, if you get to the point where you're a sophomore and junior and you're getting recruiting calls and things like that, that's the next step. Then we'll sit down with the the family and, you know, we'll evaluate where your next steps are, but parents and and coaches too, don't skip steps with your athletes. Mm -hmm. They're in middle school, make them a great middle school athlete and embrace that and enjoy it. Don't look to the future. You know what I mean? Don't look to, you know, five, six years away. They enter into high school. If, they can be fortunate enough to make the JV team or even the varsity team as a freshman. Great. But that doesn't mean their work stops. They haven't made it, you know? So a lot of times, um, parents and, and athletes and, and even coaches want to skip these steps because they have a, a prodigy coming through the ranks in the middle schools and all this stuff. A lot of times, Dean, you know, you, you, and I know that, you know, it's more, uh, you know, the genetic disposition, of the kid, you know, whether or not, you know, they've hit growth spurts earlier than other kids. And so a lot of times we see those kids regress, right? Because everything's come so easy to them. Um, and they've lost that that work mentality, like Sam talked about, um, and the things that don't take um, a lot of talent to do.
1: The other thing, Brian, is I think high school coaches, you gotta be very careful of, you know, hey, we got this eighth grade group coming up next year. That's gonna be freshmen. It's an unbelievable group. Right. Or, you know, this eighth grade group is just a terrible group. I've heard that over the years that, you know, they're coming into their freshman year and you hear the, the youth coaches say, ah, it's not a very good group. You know, a lot of those kids aren't very coachable. Remember kids change dramatically. I've seen kids change just big time in one summer of training. And I know you've seen the same thing at sports advantage. You get consistently training, the body starts changing the attitudes start changing, the motivation starts being there, and individuals get a lot better and teams get a lot better. I like what you always say. You know, there's a fumble recovery in every person, right? In every athlete. And I think you can never give up on kids. You got to keep trying to motivate them. And it's hard, coaches, because it can get very frustrating when athletes aren't doing what you think they should be doing. And 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 they're, you know, they're rebelling, they're they're being negative. Whatever the case, maybe it's just an immaturity situation. I think you still got to keep trying to coach them, keep trying to figure out that fumble recovery in that individual, keep working with them. And yeah, you're going to get stung. And I think that's why a lot of coaches get burned out because you put a lot of time and energy into these individuals. You see something that maybe they don't see, and it's frustrating when things don't work out. But you have to always remember the ones that do work out. That that is, is why you got into coaching. That is why you're doing what you do. Don't let the negatives, the kid that quits, you know, the bad situation, you know, be in the situation that burns you out. Always look at those positives and look at the difference of those people. Because I remember one individual that played for us, never played in eighth grade. And he was an all-state kid for, for uh, me, us at Kimberly. And, you know, his situation, I almost didn't go out as a freshman. And then when I went out as a freshman, I played football. I didn't really play very much. But the individual stuck it out and was an All-State athlete. And so if you're at those situations, you're coaching youth, make it fun. Freshman level, make it fun. Sophomore level, try to make it as fun as you can. And just remember that you want those individuals to go out the next year. I think that's how you evaluate youth coaches. And I know that's what we do in our program. How many of those kids go out and I can get it coaches. I get some kids. You're going to lose kids at every level, but can you keep as many of those kids out that should be out is, is the key because they're getting pulled in every direction. And it's hard nowadays to be multi multiple sport athletes because kids have just so many opportunities now that we, you know, we didn't have when we were younger, but that is crucial in youth athletics. Don't give up on kids. Be careful judging kids, you know, and their talent levels because they change dramatically year to year to year.
0: Well, I think Dean, the the main thing with with youth sports is, you know, especially when you have like organizations and we can use youth football. Your feeder feeder program for the high school, you're trying to develop as as many kids as they can. You tell me, you know, the sixth grade team, you know, at Kimberly that went on to win the state championship that maybe won the youth championship. What are they talking about? They're talking about the state championship. The the youth championship was great, but they're, you know what I mean? Then again, you talk talk to me about the sixth grade team that won the youth championship that didn't go on to win a state championship. What, you know, where did we miss the boat? And so at the end of the day, a lot of that, I see a lot of coaches losing sight. You can still win a lot of games. At the youth level, if you're smart and position people in the right spots at the right time, you know what I mean, you don't have to have your best ball carrier carry the ball 30 times, you know what I mean, you can have them carry it eight to 10 and still win. Because, um, you know, winning is still important. I'm not going to sit here and say that, oh, we're just playing for fun when we're in sixth, seventh and eighth grade and high school counts. No, absolutely not. You play to win. But at the same time, you also have to realize what the goal of the program is. The goal of the program, like you said, is to create as many kids to be excited to come out for that sport when they get to high school. And so you have to understand that is your main responsibility. So you need to coach that way and make sure that you understand, you know, some kids aren't going to score a touchdown. So how are you going to reward your linemen? How are you going to keep them excited about coming to practice and banging heads with guys for an hour when all their buddies are running seven on seven and running routes and, you know, when you're in sixth, seventh and eighth grade, practicing O-line isn't very fun. Let, let, let's not sit here and be like, oh yeah, I can't wait and go do one-on-ones for an hour. No, they're watching their buddies run routes, catch the ball, you know, and do all, you know, things that are perceived as fun. So as a coach, you have to understand, and this goes across the board for different sports. You know, you look at volleyball. Only so many girls can be outside hitters. You know, do you, if you're a defensive specialist, how are you rewarding that young lady or, or guy that plays volleyball? Um, you Know on the job that they're doing in practice, so that's an art that's really an art form,
1: yeah. You know, the nice thing we had that, Brian, we had that 70 game winning streak, and we know, you
0: know, we know, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> some of the best conversations that we had were when we were during that 70 game winning streak, Brian. The best part about it is kids would go and say, Coach, in, in eighth grade, we won one game, that's awesome. You know, and I I look back at that and think, wow, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty special. So coaches, yeah, you want to try to win at the youth level, but if you don't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's nobody's looking at, there's no seventh grade state. We always tell the coaches. Yeah. There's no eighth grade state. And I think so many times, you know, volunteer, you know, parents that help out with youth athletics, they think they're not a good coach if they don't win. That's the, that's far from the truth. Right. The truth is, it, can you have those, give those kids an unbelievable experience, help them develop in those very important years, have some fun, and get them to love the sport. Right. And to Evaluation relationship. how
0: many kids come back out.
1: Exactly. And I think so many people think, hey, you lose that. Hey, I'm a bad coach. It has nothing to do with it. Oh. You know, at that level, it's it's about – your athletics. Yeah. Is there some scheme involved? And is there some stuff? Absolutely. But let's be honest. You're not going to win unless you have great athletes. Right. And that's going to happen at every level. What we try to do as coaches is try to get the best out of every athlete. So when kids come back and say, coach, we only won one game in eighth grade. That is so, you know, impressive to understand what experience that individual had because They were losing. They still continue to stay out. And that is tells a lot about the youth coaches to get that person to continually go out. And then when they do win, it's just, you know, it's just that excellent dessert that Robert was having when we went out to eat in Cincinnati, you know, that big piece of chocolate cake. That's just a dessert. So coaches don't get wrapped up in that parents don't get wrapped up in that. I think parents sometimes, you know, their youth program, Parents are getting pictures with kids when I was coaching youth and I, maybe I'm, I'm the outlier, the fun crusher or whatever, but parents would always say, Hey coach, get in the picture. And I'd be like, no, th- th- this is about the kids. Yeah. This is about the kids. And we're kind of like the same way at the high school. A lot of the, our team pitchers, we didn't have coaches in the team pitchers in football. It was just the kids. That's and awesome. I know a lot of people say, Hey, we would always say it's about the kids. This is your team. Seniors. This is your team. You police it. You guys are all like assistant coaches. And you know what? When we're going to get the pitcher, it's about you guys right there. And I felt the same way when I coached youth basketball and other sports. It's like, hey, I don't need to be in the pitcher. I want these kids to be in the pitcher. And, you know, I know a lot of times people go out there, but it was never about, hey, winning a championship, winning any of that kind of stuff. And I know sometimes... You know, the social media, everybody's kind of bragging about, you know, what their kids are doing. And I get it. We're all proud of our our own sons and daughters out there. But in the, in the long run, it's not going to matter what you do in sixth, seventh and eighth grade. We're seeing kids getting rings now in sixth grade and seventh grade and oh, yeah. doing all that. The ultimate ring is high school athletics, right? When you're a varsity athlete, if you can be one of those and you get that ring, hey, that's that's perfect.
0: Well, and I, I will say I, I did hear a comment from Coach Mangan, which to me was probably the most impressive thing that I've heard about the 70-game win streak, Dean. Yes. Talking with Tom Barry, they, they were having a conversation. Okay. Tom was, you know, obviously really into listening to some of the things that we were talking about. And, and I heard Coach Mangan say, he goes, there were like six to eight games in that streak we should have lost. Correct. Should have lost. Yep. I mean, even, you know, state championship, he goes to state championship game against heartland. We were down 40, 42, 21. It's pouring snow with two minutes left in the third quarter. And Tom was, you know, but Tom's comment was it's that's culture. You know what I mean? And so and that's created at the young age. You know what I mean? Because again, you know, and, and my, my kids are very lucky. You know, Cameron had a great group that he played at a young age and they're still, we still try and get together once a year. You know what I mean? Because they went to different high schools but they all support each other. And that's what it's about. Coach, we're rolling here. We got one more thing on Coach Jerome. we want to touch base on. And to me, this was a topic that I thought was outstanding because it's something I believe in. His comment was, would you rather have certifications or qualifications? And at the end of the day, parents, coaches, athletes, administrators, when you're hiring, you want to hire for qualifications okay letters behind your name are letters behind your name all right and at the end of the day if you don't have real experience if you don't know how to coach anybody can sit down and take a test okay anybody can sit down and take a test i could put my i could put my beautiful wife we had our anniversary yesterday i could put her down and let her read a book and she could take a test and she could probably be a CSCS okay and should there be standards for coaches there should be There should be standards that coaches need to have. But, Dan, I tell you what, in in our industry, what's happening right now, Dean, is everybody's concerned with the letters behind your name, and they're not really concerned with the knowledge in your brain.
1: And, Brian, that's an incredible point. And some of the best things that I've ever learned is being able to go visit places where coaches are coaching right there on the floor. And I, I did it. When you were back in Wisconsin, opening with the football team, you guys were unbelievable about letting us come in. We used to bring some high school athletes in there as well. And watching you guys coach interact with the athletes was special. It definitely made me a much better coach. I think every situation is different in every school. And reading something out of a book and, and being able to do it are two different things, passing a test, and doing it are two different things as well. So, yes, you got to get some certifications. You know, you you have to have something. You got some like you have to have a degree, you have to do some of this stuff, but on field experience is is a game changer.
0: I mean, just go back to you know <laughs> who we visited with, you know, talking about Louis Simmons. Obviously, we didn't visit Louie, but I think Louie had a high school degree. Yes. You know what I mean? So a guy like that couldn't be hired in a major college. Uh, you know, I mean, think about that one, you, you know what I mean? And so at the end of the day, the qualifications aren't just in what you write down on a piece of paper for your program or on your whiteboard or in a computer. It's reacting and responding, adjusting um, relationships. You know, you can have the smartest person that understands, you know, I can, I'll use the conjugate method. We could have the smartest person that understands the conjugate method up and down. But if you can't articulate that to an athlete or to a parent, you're worthless. You're, 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 you you're, know what I mean? As a coach, you really are. You know what I mean? You have to have the ability to coach, to lead, to adjust, to adapt. And that comes with time. It comes with meeting with people. It comes from doing a lot more than just sitting down with a pen and paper and writing down, you know, or a scantron.
1: You know, Brian, one of the, you know, the best I get such High respect for one of our coaches, Coach Josh Heisler, was our D coordinator a lot during the 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 streak. But he's helping out at the freshman level right now. But he took a lot of complex ideas and schemes and simplified it, and really did an incredible job by with coaching. And I and I thought that's what made him so great as a coordinator, as a defensive coordinator. We've had a lot of great ones. I'm just using Josh as an example, but he was he was the D coordinator when my son was playing linebacker. And, you know, the things that he did and the schemes and strategies and for him to be able to simplify it for high school kids to really understand was just mind-boggling to me. And th- this goes along with anything. You know, I, when I was in college, you, you know how it is. You take some of those classes and some of these professors are so smart. They're off the charts IQs, but you don't get nothing out of their class
0: because they're just regurgitating.
1: Exactly, it's just like you're, here's the book. They're just or they're talking way over your head, and and you don't know. They cannot simplify something so it can you can make it yours. Right. And you know that, that's the stuff you see all the time. I think there's a lot of coaches out there. They got all this knowledge, and you know the internet is provided us so much knowledge, but can you take that? And then can you teach it that? And so kids can understand it. And I think that is so important. I think a lot of times when people get so many certifications, it's all about this and that and their science and their book smart, but you know, when you're in there every day and you're helping kids get better, you know, if they're getting better, you know, it. you see it every day and you see it when, when they're maxing out, you see it on the sport, you know, that they're playing, whether it's on the field, the court, the diamond, the track, you can see it. So coaches understand that young coaches, just because you're certified, you get a CSCS or you get USAW doesn't mean that you are an old everything. That is just a start to what you are going to start doing. I remember when I started coaching, you know, you get, you get a degree and then you get a coaching minor and you get, you get all this stuff. You go to a couple clinics, right? You go to a conference, you read some books. And all of a sudden you're thinking, boy, you know it all. I'm going to tell you with thir- almost 30 years of experience, I feel like I don't know anything. And, you know, and right now you just continually learn. And as we talked, Tom Berry said at Westside, strength and conditioning has evolved incredibly in just the last couple of years even. Right. And so is the game of football. And so is the game of basketball. Everything evolves and you need to stay ahead of that. And I think when you talk continuing ad, like the trip that we just did with Cincinnati is you got to keep evolving and you got to keep relating with kids because kids are kids. And it doesn't matter if it's 30 years ago or if it's now kids want to get better, but coaches don't be the one that blames it on these kids nowadays. These young kids, right. they, this kid can't do this. This kid can't do that. Guess what? Coaches, the C's on your hat. You got to figure out how you can relate that to the individual because the skill level is so much better than it's ever been. However, sometimes the teams aren't because coaches, you got to figure that out. And that's a challenge of coaching. And I'm not saying I'm great at it, but we're not saying you're great at it. We're just saying we're all a work in progress and we're going to continue obviously, to get better. And there's different ways to get the job done. And I think that's the thing you talked about, like with Twitter, some guys are arguing, well, I got to do it my way. And I can only do it my way. I think you have to have an open mind and you have to think there's lots of ways that things can get done and try to learn from them. And guess what? I do things now that 10 years ago, I thought there's no way I would do it that way, Brian. Right. And we're integrating some of those things. And guess what? If it's good for athletes and it's good for the team, then let's do it. Cause it's all about them.
0: Well, I think, you know, Dean, the, the, the thing we can close on here is as a coach, like we're always expecting our athletes to keep growing and keep working to get better. And if you're not as a coach, like what, what kind of leader are you? You, you know what I mean? I mean, you're the one, you, you know, you can't say one thing and do another, you know, cause in today's day and age with social media and all the other things, kids know, Kids know what are you doing to get better? You know, are you, are you regurgitating the same practice plan every Tuesday? Are you, are you doing the same thing every week? Are you, you know, are you, is your program changing? Is it evolving? Um, and so as coaches, you know, if we're going to expect kids and athletes to constantly give their best all the time, to constantly do the right things all the time. And, you know, one of the, one of the coolest things well, on a podcast that I listen to, is you look at it like, like a bank account, okay? With your athletes or even your coaches, okay? You know, constantly you're, you're doing the work every day, which means you're investing in yourself, athletes, coaches, you're investing in yourself. Um, you're gonna make mistakes, right? You're gonna make a bad choice. How much have you invested will determine how much that bad choice affects you. So in other words, if I've put two years of work and I'm going, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing, Maybe one day I fall off for a day and I, 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 something like that, which kids do, you know, a lot, you know, you will have a kid, maybe he misses practice. Maybe he sleeps in. Okay. Is a kid, is it a kid who's constantly showing up late or is it a kid who's, you know, it blip on the radar? You, You know what I mean? And so I think just my point is coaches, we gotta, we gotta walk the walk. You know, if we're telling athletes to do things, we better be doing it. Um, and so I, I just firmly believe, I think your point of, well, kids these days and this, that well, you know, you know, kids these days didn't learn to be kids these days without following some leadership. You know what I mean? And that's whether you're a parent and allowing it to happen. Okay. Or you're a coach and you're showing them to do it that way. Either way, they're both bad. So anyways, we're going to close up here. Coach, what have got a couple more sessions of Fox Valley throws coming up? We got, we got a couple more in August here. What do we
1: got? Yeah, we got some August sessions going on right now. And then we'll have some September and October sessions that are just Sunday only because, you know, it's, kids are into their fall sports and it's very difficult to get kids there. And, and, uh, but it gives kids an opportunity to continue to get better. And once a week is, is, is just keeps kids in line and it keeps getting kids changing their best every day.
0: Sports Advantage. We've got our school year memberships and our year long memberships. You get the rest of the month of August if you get one of those. So act today. Uh, you can pick those up and get get stay training. Um, and again, athletes, make sure you know a lot of you guys have had great summers. Uh, whether you're in a high school setting, high school and private private setting, don't stop training during the school year. Okay, find a way to keep training. Um, injury rates go up when kids stop training. Um, and you've worked your tails off, there's no sense in stopping right now. There's a ways to get it done. This ends this episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. Again, huge shout out to the Bengals, uh, Laura Phelps, and Tom uh, for the visit, as well as Sam Hauser and Coach DeRone for being on our last two shows. Uh, We've got some good guests coming up, Dean, so we're excited to unveil those, and we will see you next time. Chop it!